Welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman, the podcast dedicated to helping you build the business of your dreams and live the life you always hoped for, with valuable and fun tips and info to make your life easier and more fun. And now, here's your host, a man who sprinkles metal shavings on his breakfast cereal just for fun, Jason Silverman. And welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. I'm your host, Jason Silverman, and I'm thrilled to share some time with you once again today. As you know, I am always, always on the hunt for interesting as well as super smart Real Deal guests. And I got to tell you, today's show is a winner. I want to introduce my listeners to somebody who's truly been there and done that. And I'm excited to pick his brain for your benefit. And as all of you know, I'm really excited to pick his brain for my benefit too. So that's, that's the beauty of having this podcast, right? I get my continuing education every single week along with you guys. Now, for the folks who I work with in any of my coaching programs, my mastermind group, or through Powerful Words Character Development or All-Star Cheer Sites, you know how much I focus on the importance of managing change and managing corporate culture, right? This show is going to help us to do just that. So today it's going to be my honor and privilege to share an amazing resource with you. You're going to love today's guest. He's got a ton of valuable information and experience about a super hot topic to help you succeed as well as a fun way to deliver it. So I want you to strap yourself in. Today's show is going to be a blast. As I'm sure you already know, I'm committed to helping business owners just like you to become more successful, enjoy your career more, and in general, make your life significantly more fun. As you know, we've only got one ride on this merry-go-round, and we want to make sure it's one hell of a ride. Alrighty, boys and girls, it is now that time when you stop surfing Facebook, put away your phone, your tablet, your dog, your cat, your spouse, your child, anything that might possibly, possibly distract you from today's show. You're about to get some great and immediately implementable information, and I don't want you to miss even a second of it. So, before we officially get going, let me give you a little bit of background about our special guest today. Adrian Gostick is a best-selling leadership author and organizational culture expert who provides real solutions on managing change, driving innovation, and leading a multi-generational workforce. Gostick is a global workplace expert and thought leader in the fields of corporate culture, leadership, and engagement. He's founder of the training and consulting company, The Culture Works, and author of the number one New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal bestsellers, all in and the carrot principle. His books have been translated into 30 languages and have sold a million and a half copies around the world. As a leadership expert, he's been called fascinating by Fortune magazine and creative and refreshing by the New York Times. Gostick has appeared on NBC's Today Show and CNN and is often quoted in The Economist, Newsweek, and Wall Street Journal. If you Google the 30 top leadership gurus, he's on that list alongside Jack Welch and Jim Collins. His consulting clients include Danaher, Bank of America, Rolls-Royce, Gerald Wayne, and California Pizza Kitchen. Guys, this is the real deal. Adrian, welcome. I'm thrilled to have you today. Hey, thanks, Jason. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, pleasure is mine. So, listen, before we get started, for those who haven't had the opportunity and pleasure of either meeting you or hearing you speak or reading your books, do me a favor. Take a second and share your story with my listeners. What are you passionate about? What makes you stick? What makes you yeah. tick? Who is Adrian Gostick? 
Uh, it's, a, it's a good question. Actually, we just wrote a book uh, about a year or so ago called What Motivates Me? And, and it really does. It helps people understand really what their drivers are. And, and my co-author, Chester, and I, we went through this process, too. When we, we left a big company, probably like a lot of your listeners, we, we left the corporate world about six years ago now. And we set out on our own adventures, started our own small company. And, and when we first sat down we, to, to work together, we, we, we put a piece of a poster board up on the, on the wall and we said, okay, what motivates me? And we wrote down kind of secretly what our, what our ideas were and then we both shared them. Thankfully, we both had number one on our list, we wanted to make a difference. We didn't want to just bounce from city to city like we'd been doing with our, with our, with our consulting work with this big company. We really wanted to go deep and make a difference with the organizations we worked with. Um, we also wanted to own the work we were doing, which we hadn't been able to do when we worked for a big company. Um, I wanted to be more creative. Um, Chester wanted to, to be more recognized for what he was doing. So, you know, we're each driven by different things, but, but number one for us is, is being able to, to really go into an organization and really change the culture, all the stuff that you just talked about in, in your very kind introduction. Fabulous. Fabulous. Well, and obviously, you know, without having that why nailed down, like it, it's, it always seems so difficult to keep up with doing the hard work that actually needs to be done to make a company successful. So it sounds like that was the first step in, in getting you guys uh, rolling, right? It is, but you know, sometimes the cobbler's uh, kids have no shoes, and you know, even though we knew what our what our passion was, boy, the first year of our of our independent business, we were out helping organizations on their mission, their values, uh, you know, helping them sculpt their culture. And yet, I think we were we were way too worried about you know keeping the lights on, uh, selling selling training days, all these things. It took us about a year, and we, we just weren't getting the traction we needed. And at the end of that year, we kind of sat down with our team, and we went, what's missing? And, and it was funny. We, you know, somebody just said, you know, where's the love? Where, where's, the, where, where's, where's our why? Where's our passion? And, and we realized we just weren't, we weren't living that ourselves. And so we had to sort of craft our own vision, mission, values, and really live to that. Because as you said, Jason, sometimes we forget that. I think a lot of your customers got into whatever they do uh, because they love, because of the love of, of serving others or, or 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 doing this thing. But sometimes we get so worried about again keeping the lights on and and selling products or services that we forget why we're doing it and and really what we want to change about the world. I love that. I absolutely love that, and I, and I agree. I believe a lot of my folks really are out there to change the world. So, you know. I, I want to dive in because I got a bunch of questions that, that I want the answers for, and I'm, I'm sure my folks will as well. So, you know, in your book, All In, um, it's obviously it's a study of high performance cultures. So, I got to ask, you know, in a nutshell, what were your findings? Yeah, and and this is this is high performance cultures. As, as people here, uh, you know, some of your some of your listeners are going, oh yeah, okay, uh, Rolls Royce and uh, and American Express. This is not our world. We've got very limited budgets and. Our, our study and our, and our book entails organizations from, from hundreds of thousands of employees down to, down to a dozen employees. So what we find, what we find is that the, the, there are a lot of consistencies in teams, no matter if you're a team inside of a huge organization or you're a 12 person team providing after school services. Um, so some of the things are, are the same. And what we found in the highest performing cultures 
is that people in those cultures are, are engaged, which means that they really believe in the values of the organization and they're willing to give extra effort if they're asked. But they're also enabled, which means that I'm supported. I have the right tools and equipment at my disposal. I have the right level of empowerment. I'm trained. Um, if I'm engaged but not enabled, it's a little like a hamster spinning on the wheel. I've just got nowhere to go. So we've got to in enable our people. We've got to really worry about that. And, and the third idea is that we have to energize our people. You know, a lot of times we get into into these types of things, and it's we think it's about the compensation, but you know, in many of many of your businesses, you're really not able to pay people extreme salaries. So how do you keep people energized? Well. This is where purpose comes in, that we don't forget to explain why we do what we do, but also ideas like recognition. Are we rewarding our people appropriately? Are we making them feel valued for their unique contributions? You know, we don't say thank you and specifically anywhere near enough. Hmm. That's, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled you brought that up because I know that one of the things I probably answer on a weekly basis is, well, what else can I do for my staff? How, how can I make them feel like the rock stars they are because I can't afford to pay them $150,000 a year or whatever the salary is that they might get out in the corporate world? You know, so did you find that the, the recognition aspect was – or what level of, of importance was the recognition aspect? That was, we found actually, and I, and I won't get into all of them, but in all in, we, as we, as we, this is based on a big 300,000 person research study of working adults from all sizes of organizations. And what we found was the best managers, they did seven steps better than, than their peers. Um, I, things like, you know, really having a customer focus and, and sharing everything, being more, being more transparent, ideas like partnering with their talent, creating connection and growth for their people. But, but as you ask about recognition, one of, this is really one of the non-negotiables we found in very high-performance organizations is that the managers were much better at appreciating their employees' great work. Um, and a, a lot of times we'll talk to managers, they'll just say, look, I'm just too busy for this. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to give for what. Um, and this really isn't rocket science. What we found was the best managers who were doing this were spending maybe an hour a week of their 50-hour week on recognition, but, but they were specific. So when they gathered people together to recognize somebody, they were always specific to one of their core values. Maybe they had three, four, five core values that they always believed. You know, maybe it was never miss delivery or customer service or integrity or whatever it was. It, that didn't matter as much as as consistency to that in your recognition. So they were specific, but they were also they were also frequent. So this wasn't just happening employee of the quarter or or the employee of the year. No, no, no. This was happening almost every single day with with different employees within within their work groups. Within in many cases it was peers. Um, one of the organizations we studied was Zappos, which is the shoe retailer. Which, which grew from a handful of employees now to more than 1,500. They have eight now formal recognition programs, and seven of them are peer-to-peer, -peer, where they're rewarding each other. Peers are expected to reward each other. One of, one of my favorites that they have is called Snaps, where they have their huddles at 9 o'clock for the first shift, 
three o'clock for the second shift. They call them Zettles at Zappos because they put Z's in front of everything. But they, uh, so what they do is if I see, you know, if I see Jason doing something great during the day, customer calls in, they're angry, they got the wrong order. Jason turns it around. I'll put your name and what you've done in this little suggestion box type of thing. They open this up during the Zettle and uh, the manager reads it and, 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 you know, so a peer is recognized another peer for something kind of fun and cool. And instead of clapping, they all snap their fingers. You know, it's kind of silly, kind of goofy, but it's part of their culture. It's something that they have created. Well, they've got all these different types of ways for, for people to root for each other. Because a lot of times managers will say, I'm just so busy, I never remember. Uh, well, why aren't you using your teams to, to recognize each other? I love that. I have, what, what a great... What a great culture it actually causes, you know, again, that peer-to-peer thing where you're actually going to have that cohesive team. That's fabulous. That's, that's actually brilliant. So thank you for that. Um, as far as, you know, as far as cultures are concerned, I always like to, to kind of dig into the negatives first. So, you know, after consulting with all these organizations and their cultures, you know, what do you find to be the, the biggest and most common problems um, you know, when things get dysfunctional. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that's a great question because, you know, we, it's, it's funny because people will ask us, oh, you must go into some really dysfunctional cultures. And it's actually odd that the, the really dysfunctional cultures will never call us to help them. Um, we typically go into organizations that are pretty good that want to get great. Uh, and so, so, you know, you look at the truly dysfunctional cultures, in many cases, they're, they're unconscious of their, of their dysfunction. Um, but, but we've interviewed now tens of thousands of people in many of these dysfunctional cultures. And so what do they say? Well, one of the biggest problems is that, you know, leaders focus so much on how and what, okay, here's how we do things. Here's what we do that they never remember the why. Now, hopefully many of your listeners don't fall into that trap, but you have to ask yourselves, you know, am I talking about why we do what we do? That's very energizing, we find. So biggest problem is probably number one we see is it's just lack of purpose in our work. Um, We found in one of our surveys that only a third of employees actually understand what really differentiates your organization versus your competitors. So, and that's, that's frightening that, uh, you know, whether you're running a, a karate studio or you're running a, a daycare, whatever you're running, the, you know, your employees should be able to say, here's what makes us different. Um, and yet, you know, we've got, we did a big study on teamwork once. We went in and we asked lots of these teams, you know, what, did, what makes you get up every day and come into work? What's your purpose? And we would ask a team of 20 people and get 20 different answers. And so that's not good. You're not serving customers if you're, if you, if you're all sort of serving in different ways. In fact, many of the people would say, I'm here to make the boss happy. Uh, you know, you think you're driving customer service at, at that point. So a lack of why is, is huge. Um, a second is lack of understanding of, of your employees' needs. Um, you know, we all want to serve customers. I don't think I've ever been to an organization that didn't say, customers come first. It's all about the customer. And yet... Um, the customer experience will never exceed the employee experience. And so what we have to do is learn how to partner with our talent, which means treating them like partners in the business. They've all got ideas in their pockets, and we have to get those ideas out. But if we don't treat them like they are valued and we're listening, especially to those people on the front lines dealing with our customers, we will never move our organizations forward. Um, 
So, and one of the other things I see a lot of, boy, even in big organizations that I consult with, I, I hear a lot of people talking about um, a lack of accountability in organizations. You know, we just don't hold people accountable. And people want to be held accountable. They want to do great work. But sometimes we're just so nice that we don't, especially in, in smaller organizations, we don't. And, and people are surprised when we have that tough conversation, I, we're letting you go. You know, that should never be a surprise. You know, we've, we've got to have tough conversations with people and, and, and coach them if they're not where they should be and, 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 and help them move out if, they, if they're not. As we, as we talk to teams, and, you know, if there is a poor performer on a team, it's interesting who they blame for that poor performer's performance. They don't blame Joe, who can never seem to get things right, that poor performer. They blame Sue, the boss, for allowing Joe to continue doing what he does. It's interesting. Hmm. That's, I, I gotta tell you, so I've, I've now, um, I think I'm on like page three of my notes. Um, you know, your, your comment that the customer experience will never exceed the employee experience. Um, I, I've got like light bulb explosions going on over my head. Um, just with that comment, um, do me a favor. I, I want you to dig a little bit deeper on this only because I think this could be the turning point for somebody listening to this podcast right now. Um, what, what do you mean by that as far as the customer experience and, and why is it never going to exceed the employee experience? Yeah, you know, we want, uh, we want our, and, and, and if this is a hard thing for some business owners or business leaders to hear, is that, look, my people should take care of their, of their customers. So one of, as I mentioned, our new book is What Motivates Me. And in there, we have this online assessment. It's a hundred questions built by psychiatrists, and it, it helps you understand really what motivates you at work. I just give you that as background to help you understand we now have this 20,000 person plus motivation database of, of people who've taken this test over the last year. So there's 23 different motivators that motivate human beings we've found. Now, what is the most number one common motivator? It is not service. Service actually falls near the bottom of the barrel for people. The number one motivator is impact. So what we do is we tell our employees, it's all about the customer. We've got to treat the customer right. The customer is always right. Whatever, whatever, you know, platitudes we spew that, about the customer. And they go, uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's just not important to people. I mean, there, there are some people that are driven by service. But most of us, the number one motivator in almost 70% of cases is this idea of impact. I want to make an impact, which means... I know, I want to know that my work is important and we're making the world a better place in some way. The number two most common motivator is learning. I want to learn and I want to grow and I, I want to be challenged. I don't want to just keep doing the same thing every day. Help me learn new things. It doesn't mean every single day. I know everybody still has to take out the garbage and still have to do things you may not like, but, but how can I learn and how can I make an impact in this organization? Okay, so with that said, um, when we look at customer service, if I want to drive customer service, I've got to help my people understand the impact they are making, not only on our customers, but also on, on the bigger thing we're trying to achieve here. You know, are we trying to help people get fit? Are we trying to help uh, children grow and learn and become contributing members of society, maybe, maybe who, who don't have a shot otherwise? What is, what is our why? And can you help me understand how my job aligns with the, with the impact we're making? 
And can you give me a few assignments now and then that might help me learn and grow in a way that I want to learn and grow? Um, so that basically means you have to sit down with me and figure out what my specific motivators are. What we found in the, in the past was that we would manage everybody the same because that's fair. Well, we've actually learned that's, that's just a terrible way of managing people because we're all different. Uh, you know, everybody has to follow the rules, the same rules, but how I manage people is going to be very different. If somebody wants to climb the corporate ladder, I'm going to manage them, manage them very differently than somebody who, who just values getting home at 4 o'clock every day because their kids are getting it off the bus. And this job is, is for me, you know, something to, to, to fill the days and to make some money. I'm going to manage that person very differently than this, this very ambitious person or this person who just wants to achieve. And, you know, we're all very different. So how do we figure out what drives people? Then we're going to figure out how they can best serve our customers. I love this. This is, this is pure gold. Um, I'm actually looking at this, you know, just from, from my staffing and, and thinking, I can't wait till my next meeting. So, so that's, uh, that, that's fabulous. So, you know, as far as, as your experience, you know, what if anything has surprised you? in your research? Like, is there anything out there that, you know, that maybe seems like conventional wisdom, but yet you really found out it just isn't? Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's so much out there that right now we are, we are a culture that is just so focused on, you know, in the, in the bigger corporate world, we call it quarterly gain, you know, what, what are quarterly results? Everything is focused to, you know, hitting the quarterly numbers, hitting the quarterly numbers. You know, we, we've become a society of, of instant gratification. Um, you know, if, if we don't like what we're watching on TV now, of course, we, we just change it. We, we have DVR. We can even skip commercials. Everything's instant. If I want to look up something, I, you know, my phone can tell me in three seconds the answer to any question, <laughs> you know, that, that you can think of. So, with all this kind of drive to, to instant gratification, the, the point is, can we have more of a long-term focus in our organizations too? Um, I was just in a, uh, this week with a uh, long-term residential care organization and, and, and the CEO is, 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 is just introduced a five-year vision for the organization, which I think is, is actually brilliant. Um, we, we don't think that long term anymore. We're also worried about, you know, this week, this month, this, this quarter that we forget the great organizations have a vision of where we're going. Um, and, and there's a reason we do that because we, we fall into these traps in our, in our businesses. You know, we have maybe old systems and equipment that prevent us from making more relevant investments. We, we were, maybe we get fixated on what our customers want today and we don't anticipate what they may want in a few years. Um, we, we may get fixated with what's made us successful in the past. Oh, our customers have always wanted this and we don't notice what's displacing it. What, what are, what are our, what are our competitors doing that our customers are leaving us for? You know, we're just not aware of, of, of the traps that we fall into. And so, you know, there's a lot of sort of conventional wisdom that, you know, that may be more inculcated in us that we're, we live for the moment, but we have to be more, more thoughtful, more, more aware of really what our threats are out there. Fabulous. 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 All right. So of the companies you've worked with, you know, which companies are doing this right? Is there anybody um, that we should be looking at as an example? 
Uh, you know, and I, I hate to overuse, you know, some some organizations. I, I did mention Zappos that has done some really great things with customer service. If you ever call Zappos, it's an amazing experience. Um, you know, one of the organizations we've had a chance to study is 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 Apple, and they're so good. Um, and they, you know, like I mentioned this idea of enabling. You know, when my son was 16, his iPod stopped working. So so we go down to the Apple store, and and the young guy who's, who's who takes this from my son, and and he's looking at the iPod, he says, you know, it's a couple years old. He says, it's probably seen its last days. He says, I'll run it in the back and I'll put it on the diagnostic machine, try it out. And he says, but I can't promise much. And, and so as he's walking to the back, he dropped it on the ground and he comes back to us. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry. He says, I'll go get you a new one. And we go, no, 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 you don't have to get us a new one. He says, no, that's the rule. So 45 seconds later, he's back with a new $200 iPod that he hands to my son, whose jaw has dropped open. <laughs> you know, at that moment, we're customers for life. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned this story to the uh, to the Apple uh, executives, they said, oh, he absolutely did the right thing. Um, he knew within his job exactly what he could do and couldn't do for a customer. Um, now, you know, of course, we're not, you know, as your as your small business owners, you don't want to be giving away a couple hundred dollar items. But but the point is, for all of us is he didn't have to go ask a manager permission because he was trained. He knew exactly what he could do within the scope of his job. And that's very enabling. It makes people feel like I have control over my job. Um, the second thing was he was empowered. He could make a decision within the scope. He wasn't going to give away a, you know, $2,000 laptop, but he could give away a $200 iPod if he had to. Um, it's amazing how many small business owners I say, who, who I talk to, when they say, I finally let go and allow my people to make decisions for their clients. I just talked to a small business owner yesterday who has 200 employees. He runs a document imaging kind of company in, in the Midwest. And he said, when I finally gave control to my employees and let them make decisions, he says, that's been eight, nine years. He says, I haven't regretted it. Not one bad decision has been made that I wouldn't have made myself. So can we give up that control a little bit and make people feel enabled? It really will accelerate your business. I love this. <clears throat> I know that um, I think I had read that. Gosh, it must have been years ago when I read um, it was a Howard Schultz's book on, uh, on Starbucks. Um, yeah. And one of the things we always did at my my facility was uh, each employee actually had a um, had a limit of how much they could how much they could basically spend to fix a problem without going to an immediate manager. Uh, and that was always something that I found that you know okay, so listen, you need to give away a fifty dollar thing, a seventy five dollar thing. Your limit is a hundred dollars. If you can fix if you can fix this problem, not to talk to me, that would be great. That's terrific. I, you know, just a great example there. I know the Ritz Carlton allows their employees a two thousand dollar limit. I mean, I mean that's that's just insane. But but again, that they feel like no, our people don't take advantage of that. And so you know, just terrific stuff. And, and you know, speaking of Howard Schultz, we had a chance when he first released that book. We were in New York, and and our our publisher invited us to uh, to hear him speak at a small little group. He was speaking to some executives and. What was really interesting, when he came back to, if you remember, he, he sort of retired. The company was just, you know, losing traction. They brought him back, and he met with his executive team. He said, I had 13 people in the room, and I told him, look, if you cannot buy in, you need to tell me now. I don't want to find out three months from now you're not buying into my strategy. Um, he said he had a few come to him, and, and he created exit packages. He says within, I can't remember, it was like two or three months, 11 of the 13 were gone. Um, wow. 
is a guy who didn't pause. You know, sometimes we wait way too long to get rid of bad apples. Um, you know, we, you know, he was saying, look, we, we, we hire slow and we fire fast is the point is you got to find people who fit your culture. And I don't mean to be mercenary here. Obviously, you know, you care about people, but, but he was, he's a pretty smart guy who realizes you got to have the right people on the bus with you. Totally makes sense. Totally, totally makes sense. All right. It is time for our resource of the week. So Adrian, tell me this, how can my listeners find out more about you and all your resources and, and how you've gone about helping uh, so many businesses to succeed? Oh, thanks, Jason. We, uh, thecultureworks.com is our website. Don't forget the, the, uh, cultureworks.com. So, um, you know, our books are on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. Um, All In is a, is a great book to start with if you're looking to, to create a great culture in your, in your business, uh, in your team. Uh, What Motivates Me is another great one to help you understand you or your employees and core, core drivers and align more of their work with, with what they're passionate about. Fabulous. All right, folks, thecultureworks.com. Head over there immediately. Um, pick up all in. And for anybody actually listening to this who is an owner, is a manager, go grab that What Motivates Me book. Um, if, if for no other reason to give you a done system that you can implement right now and figure out exactly the best way to motivate your staff. I love this. These, these are fabulous. All right. So Adrian, I always end my podcast with one, what I consider to be a telling question. So if you could give business owners just one solid piece of advice to either help their business or more importantly, to help them to live a better life, what would that piece of advice be? Uh, that's a, it's a great closing question too, because, you know, I think about this as well. It's fun to, you know, when we said, you know, our, our goal has been to make, make a difference. Uh, that's fun to go out and to work with an organization. You know, the, the organization I had to work with this week, I worked with all state last, last week with their executive team. Those are, those are fun to be able to do that. But, but you know, what's most rewarding is when I get an email a, a couple of weeks later who's, and somebody says, you know, hey, thanks. This has helped me in my business. But what's been what's been really cool is I've taken it home with my kids or my significant other, and it's made my relationships at home better too. As I as I start to become more, you know, as I root for each other, as I as I help, as I share everything with them, as I as I do some of the things that we've talked about. I, you know, people tell me we even created a a purpose statement for our for our relationship, me and my wife, or or you know, these things not only help us in our, in our work lives, but they'll also help us in our personal lives. And so that's what I would say is, is, is think about ways that you can make your entire life better with some of these principles. Uh, you know, really, you know, if we're happy in, in work, we're happy in our lives and vice versa. Um, that's, that's really the, the goal that we, we've kind of reached after all this time is that let's have a happy life. Let's have a, well, let's try and change the world in some way. I love this. Adrian, this is fabulous. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know how busy your schedule is, and it, 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 it means the world to me that you share some of your time and a whole bunch of your wisdom with me and my listeners today. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. It was my pleasure. Folks, that is all the time we've got today. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. For more info about private coaching or to see if you'd benefit from any one of my mastermind groups, visit me over at www.jasonmsilverman.com. I look forward to helping you achieve the success that you truly deserve. Until next time, let me leave you with this. Get out there and be the real deal. Set a goal, make a plan, work like hell towards it, and achieve the success that's waiting for you. Now's the time. Get out there and make it happen, people. This has been Jason Silverman, and I hope you have a spectacular week. 
You've been listening to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. To access the great resources mentioned in the show and for information on coaching and mastermind group opportunities with Jason, please visit jasonmsilverman.com. 